Tennessee is under NCA investigation once again. This time, the investigation involves potential violations to the NCAA's NIL guidelines. And this time, Tennessee is fighting back. Not only is Tennessee Chancellor Dondi Plowman throwing some elbows back at the NCAA, but the Tennessee State Attorney General is suing the NCAA, alleging that its NIL guidelines violate the Sherman Antitrust Act and unlawfully restrict athletes' ability to monetize their NIL. Welcome in to the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer, alongside the Knoxville News Sentinels, Adam Sparks and John Adams. Tennessee is the story of the week in college sports this week, and it has bubbled over into the courtroom. I'm sure you've been following along with Adam's coverage at knoxnews.com, John's commentary. So let's get right into it. Adam, who uh, who faces the possibility of bigger trouble here? Is it Tennessee or is it the NCAA who routinely gets dunked on in the courts? We've seen this before all the way up to the high court, and now they are being sued by the state's attorney general in Tennessee and Virginia. Yeah, I mean, uh, the NCAA could suffer more long-term in this. Um, you know, what, what's on the line for Tennessee is, um, you know, it could be a lack of institutional control against a university. That's the highest charge a university can face. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that's that was referenced by Dondi Plowman in her letter to the NCAA president. So that's on the table. Um and by the way, that would be uh, that would probably be under the repeat offender clause. That's because they just got hit with the Jeremy Pruitt case. And now if you get hit again within a certain amount of time, you get hit harder. And so uh, and that would possibly bring a postseason ban into the table. I'm not saying any of that's going to happen, um, but it's uh, it's it's certainly a possibility. If you if you look at how Donde Plowman um approach this how she came out firing which chancellors do usually don't do in an ongoing investigation she came out firing away um and we got a hold of that letter uh through a through a um, public records request and put that out there and then danny white today as we record this uh, came out with a public statement ripping the NCAA, its NIL rules, um, how it's been slow to change, even ripped the NCAA for the fact that it, as he said, leaked this to the media. He means SI.com and Pet40 specifically in that. Um, because that's the big news here, right, is is whether who got leaked and who got tipped right, off. That's right. Um, so, I mean, so for Tennessee and, you know, I mean, Nico, Nico's eligibility is, you know, would be the doomsday scenario. I've said this during the week and I'll say it again. I'm not saying any of that stuff is happening, but doomsday worst case scenario is you're worried about eligibility of a quarterback because he is implicated in this. And you're also worried about any kind of lack of institutional control charge that would put a, could put a postseason ban on Tennessee. Again, not saying that's going to happen, but it's it's on the table. That's what could happen to Tennessee. That's not that's not good. That's 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 not even close to good. Um, but long term, uh, the NCAA faces more um, in the lawsuit that the Tennessee State a- a- Attorney the Attorney General filed along with Virginia. 
there's a restraining order that's attached to that. And the restraining order is basically asking um, the court to approve a, for a restraining order to stop all NIL rules under the NCAA. In other words, if that restraining order is granted for whatever period of time it is granted, NIL rules under the NCAA do not exist for that period of time. That means it is, we've talked about the wild, wild west. That would really, really be the wild, wild west. There'd be no rules. I mean, you could, if if that restraining order is granted, you could suddenly have a high school freshman um, going on live stream and asking for the top bidders of any collective in the country, you know, um, I'm, I'm on sale for a million dollars. Who wants me? And there's be nothing that the NCAA could do about that. Um, and so, um, so that long-term there's more on the line for the NCAA in this, but I, I think Tennessee fans obviously care about any harsh penalties against, uh, against the balls. And I think it's, I think it's serious. Otherwise, Donnie Plowman and Danny White would not come out with this sort of venom. I don't think they're doing this thinking, eh, it's nothing. I think they're coming out knowing that it's serious and that's why they're, they're saying what they're saying. John, your thoughts. Well, I, I can't imagine Tennessee losing in court. I can't imagine the NCA winning in court. This all goes back to a, to another court case in which the, which the, the court ruled that, Athletes have a right to profit off their name, image, and likeness. Once that law was in place and once the, the NCA reacted, it had no choice but to react accordingly. It said, uh, yeah, you can profit off this. Then it also said, uh, but this can't be used as a recruiting inducement. Well, how could it not be a recruiting inducement? A student athlete needs to know if he can – if he can make money, if he has a right to make money, he needs to know how much money he can make. He has a right to comparative shopping. Uh, what school would offer this through its collective? Uh, and so the NCA, once that that was put in place by the courts, the NCA to, to come out and say, well, you can't use this for recruiting inducement, that's laughable. And that's why that would never hold up in court. Yeah, so to rewind a little bit here, NIL went into effect in, in 2021, and in that at that time, the NCAA basically had two guidelines. One, NIL couldn't be used as recruiting inducements, and two, that NIL couldn't be used as pay for play. But for the last few years, the NCAA really hasn't done much to try to enforce uh, its guidelines or penalize anybody if they felt um, either collectives or athletes or schools were running afoul of their guidelines. And I think, you know, behind the scenes, I think what a lot of us were hearing were the NCAA was worried about whether it actually could enforce those guidelines. And all the while, we've had NCAA leaders, conference leaders, people from individual universities going up to Capitol Hill and begging federal lawmakers for A, either some federal NIL legislation, or B, an antitrust exemption. And for the last few years, you know, Congress would put on the, the dog and pony show, they'd tell a few wisecracks, they'd poke fun at the NCAA, get some sound bites, but nothing happened, right? There, there was no, no relief. This Hail Mary to Congress wasn't completed. And so now what you have is three years down the road, the NCA is trying to 
enforce the few flimsy guardrails and ever-changing guardrails that it had, um, including the pay-for-play and recruiting inducements. But, and I'm no lawyer here, but this is the armchair lawyering, without that antitrust exemption, this lawsuit is alleging that this flies in the face to the Sherman Antitrust Act, Sherman Antitrust Act, which, generally speaking, says you can't inhibit free competition among people engaged in commerce. And to your point, John, I mean that is language that came from Brett Kavanaugh in that Supreme Court decision in 2021. So, what's interesting to me here is when this this story first broke at the beginning of this week, and and Adam. Uh, you know, was there at the, the start at knoxnews.com g- giving us the coverage, it seemed like there was this debate of, well, what rules were in place? Uh, when were they in place? Did Tennessee violate any of these rules? To me, that was sort of a little bit of a, a smokescreen in the early moments. And the real story is here, not so much about when the NCA had these rules and, and the changing nature of the rules, but the bottom line is, can they even have these rules? Are these rules, flimsy though they may be, even lawful? And and that's what's on the line, it seems like, uh, in in this lawsuit from the Tennessee Attorney General and the Virginia Attorney General. Adam, your um, your additional thoughts on on that and when we may see a ruling on this lawsuit and, and what that might mean for Tennessee. Uh, we may have one uh, in terms of the restraining order. Uh, as we record, <laughs> uh, um, it's, it's up in the air as we record this, um, in terms of Tennessee, uh, in the NCAA case, it's, it's hard to say because we haven't got a notice of allegations yet. As we record, this could come any day, it could come in a while. Usually these, these NIL cases are working faster than other cases are. So I think it'll be sooner than later. Um, you know, there's so there's so much in question here because, like you mentioned, so many of these rules are flimsy now, but they've been flimsy from the start because they've changed so much. So much has been reliant on state laws. The NCAA has been behind on anything. They would set a rule, and then state laws would supersede it, and so then they would they would sort of change their laws, adjust their laws to get closer to what the, the, their rules to get closer to what the state laws are. And then the state laws change again. You start the whole process over. Uh, like, for example, let, let's let's speculate a little bit here. If you look at the it was originally uh, reported by The New York Times that there's a implication that Nico Yamaliaba took a private jet that was provided in some way by the NIL collective Spire Sports. That's the Tennessee NIL collective. Um, that reporting from the New York Times said that he took a flight, a private jet, and that's what's in question in part of this NCAA case, that that is a, a alleged recruiting inducement. Okay, that, that may be the case. Now, under the old, old system before NIL, that absolutely would be a recruiting inducement. That's a, if it's a booster, that is, if it's a UT booster. If a UT booster just randomly flew a recruit somewhere, um, then that would be a violation under the old old way. Under the new way, under NIL, it's it's vague. It's hard to to figure because, again, let's speculate. Let's say that the that did happen, and the booster was a donor to the NIL collective. 
Um, if you put up a Venn diagram of donors to the NIL collective and donors to the school boosters, th that's two circles on top of each other. Like it's the same group. It's not like there's different people in those two. So if a, if a donor to the collective is giving their resources to the collective to use for a client or employee, that being the player, um, is that a booster providing something to a recruit? I, I don't know. Is that person acting as a booster? Or is that acting? Are they acting as a representative of the collective that's paying that client? Um, that's that's some of the things that they're potentially dealing with right now in definitions of what these things are. If you look back at the reporting I had back in uh, May of 2022, um, it came. So Nico Nico committed in March of 2022. And he actually signed his NIL deal reportedly uh, uh, 10 days before his commitment. So he signs his NIL deal. 10 days later, he commits to Tennessee. And then seven weeks after that, I think it was like 50 days, if, uh, something like that, um, NCAA comes out with a new policy and says, hey, we're just reinforcing the fact that you cannot do recruiting inducements through NIL. That was already in the books. That was a policy. We're reinforcing that. And we're going to go backwards to enforce that rule if you didn't understand it the first time. And we're also going to view some collectives in some egregious situations. We're going to view collectives as boosters. And that's to me, that looks like that's a straightforward shot at the alleged Nico and Tennessee situation. Um, because all those things that w now the reporting looks like it matches what the NCAA was reacting to. And so if you look back almost two years, it looked like Tennessee and Nico were, were a target of these things. And we're probably going to find out that they were once we get a, a notice of allegations. John, how do you see this uh, ending? Where do you see it going from here? Well, the ball's kind of in the NCAA's court now. Uh, Tennessee is pretty much, uh, said what it plans to do. It's come across as forceful as you can. The NCA, I mean, Adam alluded to this. The NCA has more to lose here than Tennessee does. It has a possibility of, of the court saying your rules just don't hold up. You can't, you can't enforce your own rules of your organization. I think it would be wise for the NCA to say upon further review, uh, yeah, we're going to let that we've investigated this further and we really don't think uh, it's necessary that anybody needs to be punished or penalized here. There's just, to me, there's no way the NCA wins because all of the court cases are for the individual. And you talked about this Blake and about the right to earn money and that kind of thing. And, and it's really funny when Adam's is, when Adam's talking about, it, it's like, the NCA started out saying, you can't use this for recruiting inducement. Okay, nothing happens. We go along. Schools are clearly using it as a recruiting inducement. And then the NCA comes out and says, no, no, we really mean it. No, you can't use it as a recruiting inducement. We, we were serious about that, okay? 
Yeah, and I think a lot of people believe that this will eventually end at some point in some collective bargaining. I mean, that's uh, one way to uh, handle antitrust is you come to the table, you collectively bargain, and then you're not dragged into court uh, over situations like this. But up to this point, you know, we've seen no effort, no coming to the table from the NCAA side of things to collectively bargain. And in the absence of collective bargaining or antitrust exemptions, I think the NCAA is going to continue to get hauled off to court. And if history is a guide, they're going to continue to lose in court. Now, some have speculated, will this bring death to the NCAA? Uh, I don't know about all of that, but what it could bring is, as we've been discussing here, the NCAA admitting that it does not have the power to enforce any NIL guidelines. And further, maybe the NCAA dials itself down as a rule enforcing entity, period. And some of that rule enforcement is handled more so by the conferences, which we saw in a different case to a certain degree when it pertained to Jim Harbaugh, the Big Ten stepped in and issued Harbaugh a three-game suspension uh, and, and got involved in, in that situation. I, I do wonder if some at some point down the road, uh, if the NCAA admits, hey, its enforcement arm has no teeth anymore, even the, the guidelines that it wants to enforce, it's having difficulty getting hold up and uh, to hold up in court. And so they don't really have any future as it pertains to some of this enforcement uh, situations, especially as it involves NIL. But Adam, you mentioned, you know, the thing on Tennessee's fans' mind, probably number one, uh, I mean, yeah, maybe they are or aren't rooting for the demise of the NCAA, right? But they want to know, is a postseason ban coming? Is, you know, any punishment toward, you know, Nico or others coming? Uh, How likely do you think, I know it's early days, could be tough to say here, but uh, generally speaking, how likely do you think is that, that this could result in Tennessee uh, facing some stiff penalties up to and including a, a postseason ban. Um, the So the Nico ineligibility question, uh, again, I'll present that as that's the absolute worst case scenario. I don't think that's going to happen um, for a few reasons. But number one, it looks like the way that NCAA is attacking NIL is that they're going after the collectives first and then the university a close second. If you look in the Florida State case that there was a that was a negotiated resolution. They like it was like a plea bargain. They agreed uh, on it. Um they there was a the the verdict basically was that there was a two-year separation I think between the collective and the school and then there was a three-year separation between a booster and the school. Um, and then an assistant coach also got a show calls penalty in that. But um, but it, it looks like they're targeting the collectives first, not not individual athletes. So I think Nico is probably going to get out of this fine if Nico is, in fact, even implicated in the violations. We don't know that for sure in the alleged violations. We don't know that till a notice of allegations comes out. But that's just some from some reporting. Um so I think Nico's probably going to be fine, but that's the doomsday scenario that his eligibility is in question at all. Um, the you know the, the the thing about the collectives is the NCAA hates collectives because they hate the system that 
created collectives. And so that's why I think that's so much of their target in this. They're trying to rein in what collectives are doing. And uh, I mean, there's some envy there of what they're doing in, uh, in college sports because collectives and NIL are running a lot of college sports and NCAA isn't. So they're trying to get some of that power back. In terms of Tennessee postseason ban or anything like that, I think you've got to go from like point A to point Z and Z is the postseason ban. And, you know, somewhere in between A and Z would be that Tennessee uh, faces university allegations of university misdeeds. Um, and then after that, um, does that raise to the level that it's a lack of institutional control? Um, that's the harshest penalty. If it gets to that, then absolutely postseason ban is on the table. But that's, you know, that's that's A to Z. And we're still on A right now. And once we see what the allegations are, that's B. And then we'll see how harsh they are. I think if I remember right, it was either mentioned, referenced or hinted at in Dondi Plowman's uh, letter to the NCAA president that no staff or employees had been named. Um, that's going to be that's going to be sort of an interesting thread that uh, um, a, a, a needle that's going to have to be threaded by the NCAA. How can you accuse a university of allegations up to the level of lack of institutional control if you can't name an employee that committed out, that committed violations? Now, under the repeat repeat offender clause, you can just say, well, they were bad in the Jeremy Pruitt case. And because they did something else, they're now super bad. And so you're just, you know, you were, you, you got life in prison. Now you did something else. You're going to get, uh, you're going to get the death penalty or something. Um, so they could, they could do that, but it's going to be, it's going to be a difficult case I would think for the NCAA to make, but I'm saying all that, not knowing what the allegations are. And once we know the allegations, I think we need to sort of reset. This may be something where we say, you know, NCAA, that's really all you had, like all this, and that's it. Or we could look at it and say, whoo, Tennessee, I know why you were coming out firing now because you're you're in trouble. Uh, it's it's probably going to be in between those two, but uh, we'll, we'll know more once we see what they're actually uh, accused of. Tennessee thinks it's serious because it's coming out firing, or Tennessee is coming out firing because they think there's nothing there and they think this is wasting their time. We'll, we'll see which one it is. John, I, I, Adam's got to, I believe, has to to uh, respond to some breaking news here. So we're going to uh, let him go as we record this uh, on a Thursday <laughs> afternoon. And uh, I'm going to wrap up here with with you, John. And uh, again, this is all very this is all very fluid. And uh, for for those who want to check in on on what Adam's latest is, as you listen to this, you can find it over at knoxnews.com. But uh, I want to close with you, John, as we've seen the NCAA uh, take you know. It, very recently has kind of got involved in, in regu- trying to regulate these NIL waters. Uh, there's a probe going on at Florida. We saw Florida State, uh, in particular, one of its uh, assistant coaches, I believe, endure some penalties over an NIL situation. And now, you know, Tennessee is, is in the spotlight and others. Does it surprise you that I guess the, the school to really push back on the NCAA and try to take this to a court battle? Does it surprise you that it's Tennessee? Would you have figured that Tennessee might be the one to go down this road? I mean, you've, you've covered this university for a long time. You've seen these NCAA investigations come and go, um, not to not involving NIL, but 
what uh, what's your reaction to that? Do you, did you think it could be Tennessee, or does this come as a surprise to you? No, it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, one thing to, con- to weigh in all this, because I have been covering this program for a while, uh, Tennessee for so long has suffered from horrible leadership at the very top of its university system. And it went out right on down through all the administrators and into coaching, uh, football coaching in particular, all kinds of problems. But it all stemmed from a lack of quality leadership. Tennessee now has quality leadership strong-willed people who do their homework and pick their battles wisely. And uh, Tennessee fans can take heart from that, that these people, Don D. Plowman is chancellor, Danny White is athletic director, go on further up the ladder to uh, to uh, the president of the university, Randy Boyd. These are competent people. They proved that. That's their track record. So, I think fans can be confident of how Tennessee will handle that. But I don't think they would do this. I mean, putting them in sort of an attorney's role, uh, attorneys don't like to take on cases they can't win. And I don't think Tennessee would have reacted this way unless it thought it could win the way it was going. I mean, Dante Plowman came on as as strong as any administrator I've ever heard in conjunction with the NCAA. Uh, Danny White today issued a statement that followed, that followed, had the same kind of tone. Uh, So yeah, I I just, I'm not surprised at this. Uh, Maybe with previous, previous administrations, I I would have been incredibly surprised because I think they would probably said, Oh my God, what do we do now? We're done for and just raised a white flag. Uh, but these people are a lot more competent, and I think they will are capable of managing the cri- in a crisis situation, sort of crisis. That might be an overreaction. Yeah, and it doesn't surprise me either that uh, the support for Tennessee goes all the way straight up to, to the governor, to the attorney general. I mean, that's important, you know, if you want to challenge the NCA in court. That your uh, that your state uh, elected officials, you know, including Governor Bill Lee and the Tennessee Attorney General in this case, have your back. Um, you know, I wouldn't have doubted, knowing the university leadership that you referenced at Tennessee, that they could expect the full support uh, from their government officials. And and we are seeing that. And we're also seeing that this story uh, is ever changing. Again, Adam's been on top (laughs) of the coverage from the word go. Uh, The news may have changed even further uh, since we recorded this. We apologize if that's the case, but we don't control the the flow of information. But so uh, catch up on the latest from Adam over at KnoxNews.com. John will continue to have the commentary and uh, hopefully we will have an update for you on the next edition of the Volunteer State. Thanks for listening.